Danny. How you doing, buddy? You know what? I'm doing. I'm doing better now um, because I uh, I had some I had some some computer issues that I was troubleshooting today, which. As a person who works online, you can relate to this where you get so frustrated when the tools you use don't work. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, you know, I know everybody has to troubleshoot issues at work, but when you're like, all I want to do is do this computer to do things that are already, you know, time consuming and stressful. And now I have to waste time and stress about the fact that my computer just isn't working. Yeah. And especially if it happens when you didn't do anything either. It's not like, okay, I went and I updated all the software and like, now I'm, I've kind of set my mind frame where I'm updating Visual Studio or I'm updating the Mac or I'm updating some software. Like I'm going to need to make sure that it didn't break up because it was in a working state, but I made the conscious decision, right? It's those days where you open up. It's funny that you were talking about your mail client because it happens to my mail client. I open up Outlook and it's all like, mm, I don't think so. And I was like, ugh. Like I literally didn't do anything. And then it's kind of funny because I was literally on a plane last night on the way home from Boston and I'm sitting next to um, these grandparents and they have their grandson sitting there must have been like a year and a half old. And this kid, all this kid wants to do is watch Thomas the Train Engine on the (laughs) iPad. That's all this kid wants to do. Right. So they're like, all right, they go into Netflix and it's downloaded ahead of time. And Netflix goes, sorry, like you need to refresh your download token. Right. And of course, there's no internet now, right? There's no internet, but there is internet on the plane, on this bucket in the sky. And they, I watch them like kind of, I just like come and sometimes like watching people use technology. So they go into settings and the iPad freezes and, and like the grandparents are like, how do you turn this thing off? Like how, you know, like literally like when was the last time you ever saw an iPad freeze? Right. So I'm sitting there and I do it, here comes it support all the way you're coming (laughs) in and I go, let me see it. I think, I think I can, I think I know what's going on. Right. And I go, okay, so, so you would think that you would just have to hold down the, the power button, but it's not what you have to do. You have to hold down the power button and the home button and then it's yeah, yeah. set. And yeah, then yeah. like we gotta connect and do this stuff. And then like the, the grandma's like, you just saved the day. Like this is like the best thing that ever happened. But it's that scenario, like if I wasn't sitting there, right, <laughs> you know, what would have happened? Right. So it's kind of crazy to think about. But it's so frustrating it because because it messes up your day. It would have messed up that flight. And like is where technology is great. But then these little things can totally. It makes us slaves, slaves to the uh, to the technology and then the process of maintaining the technology. I, I've done that for my dad many times where my dad calls me. And my dad is uh, one of those guys who unfortunately when when something like that's going wrong, he can be he can be kind of dramatic about it. And it's, it's like the world is like stacked up against him. Right. And like, I remember fixing his keyboard one time where it was just like, put a new battery in, you know, or like, um, you know, something else not working properly, but I've, I've done the, what do we call this? Where we update our, our family software and malware protection and get rid of all their cookies and clear the cache and Mm -hmm. do some disk cleanups and stuff. Are, Are we like, we're like the computer IP, like Santa Claus, right. Or, or whatever. Right. I mean, the the elf the elf that comes in the night and cleans up all the family hardware so that they don't create, so that they don't get in these situations where things are freezing and crashing. Um, anyway, but some good things have happened. Um, actually, one something happened that has changed my life. So everyone who's listening to this podcast and including you, James, you have to sit down as I tell this story because it's I'm I'm in the middle of I don't know if it's fair to say a midlife crisis because of something that happened today, but something. <laughs> is making me question everything. I'm I'm ready. This sounds like this sounds like a, a revolutionary moment I, in time. I'm I'm sitting. I'm standing, but I'm sitting I, in spirit. I experienced my first prime now moment. 
Ooh, that's a good moment. I ordered something on Prime now. I mean, they guaranteed it within two hours. It was there in 25 minutes. Oh, and it, that's amazing. It, it blew my explicitive mind. You know what I mean? I mean, it, yeah. and, and so, you know, I don't want to get in, let's just say, you know, those who know where I live in, in Arizona, you know, I, I mean, it's Amazon Prime is not available to me. Um, or, or say, no, Amazon Prime is, but Prime Now is not. I do not live in a location where you can order something and have it within within that same day, let alone mm-hmm. a couple hours, let alone 25 minutes. So I'm, I'm traveling, um, as, as we talked about in the last podcast, over the, uh, the beginning of the summer with the wife and the kids and uh, at my mother-in-law's house, and she lives in one of those locations, and I click... You know, I, I needed something for this podcast to happen, actually, because I left my, my Aki adapter that allows the USBs to plug into the USB-C. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I left that at the home office, and I needed to do this podcast with you today, and I realized it this morning. So I was getting ready to run to Best Buy or Target and do the old-fashioned, you know, the 1990s thing where you get in a car and go to a retailer and buy the something brick and mortar. that you need. <laughs> right, the, uh, the brick and mortar, and, and that's the way my brain operates. And Kathy goes, why don't you just prime now it? And I'm like, what? And she's like, just order it now. And of course, I know what Prime Now is, right? I, I yeah. work in the industry, but I would like it, it. Didn't even cross my mind. It doesn't cross. There's a difference between knowing something and then have it as a habitual part of things that you consider as a, as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I ordered this thing. I ordered the Aki adapter, which is why you hear me talking through the high quality USB mic now. Which is why this entire experience is happening, is because I am I Amazon Prime nowed an Aki adapter that has a little HDMI, a USB, and whatever into USB C, and here we are. So anyway, it, it changed me so much that I I mean, should I relocate? Should I move? Should I <laughs> should I you know go to Tibet? Should I shave my head? Should I become? A, I mean, what what is it all about, Alfie? The, is is the, where I'm at right now. The answer to all of that is yes. So. Um, is kind of how I look at it. And I, dude, I remember the first time. So people don't know what Prime Now is because maybe you're not in a, a Prime Now location. Right. But essentially think of it as Amazon Prime is like the two-day guarantee. But what they did is they said, well, we have distribution centers everywhere. So we'll just hire people to be at those distribution centers and they'll just like have a subset of items that they can deliver within two hours to locations. And I'm here in Seattle and I've done that. The first time I did it, uh, we were watching some Netflix or Hulu, and I was having Wi-Fi issues. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy an Ethernet adapter for my Android TV thing. Mm -hmm. This is maybe like a year ago, but it was 1030 at night. There is no brick and mortar open. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to Amazon Prime. I want to watch Netflix right now. And that was kind of my thinking. Right. And uh, so I go on Prime now, and they have the adapter. And by 1130, knock, knock, knock. Boom, we're watching Netflix again. Absolutely like, mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It's amazing. It really, I mean, I know it sounds like we're joking, and, and this is our job, I guess, in the podcast to tell stories like this, but this is, I mean, it's seriously, like, it blew my mind. I was like, wow. And guess what? It was a little more expensive than probably I would have spent if I went to Target, but I got to work for an hour instead. Yeah, and, and I was hanging out. I mean, it's totally worth it and totally awesome. And not. it's like Uber and Amazon had a baby, and then Prime <laughs> Now came out. Have you and, ever done? Have you ever done Uber Eats at all? Do you have Uber Eats? Have you tried that at all? I, I, I have the app. I have not tried. So um, it's fantastical. When I travel, sometimes I'm in a convention center where in the middle of nowhere, and I'm sick and tired of eating convention center food, or I'm just at home and I'm like, man, I could really just use a salad, but I need to keep working and I can't leave. I go on the app and I was like, and I'm going to take this, and like, we'll have that food at your door within 25 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> oh. and if you're in a if you're in a city. 
that has the, and you're in the lunch prime area, you can get any of the, like the subset of meals. It's like 10 or 15 meals delivered within five minutes. I remember I went on the app with Heather and I go, Oh, what looks good on here? And we were, we're living downtown at the time. She's right. like, I'll take that salad and I'll take this wrap. And it was at my door in under two minutes. Like literally I placed the order and they're like, Suzanne will be there in two minutes. And, and I was like, I gotta put on my it's, shoes. It's like one of those creepy things where by the time you read the message, there's a knock at the door <laughs> and the person's there. And anyway, I, uh, I'm sure there will be a future generation of horror movies and things like that that have to do with this sort of thing. But that's for our kids to worry about. What is, what is for you to worry about? We've talked about what's new with me, but I'm sure the, uh, the listeners are anxiously awaiting your Magikarp craze update. So give us where, where are you at on your Magikarp goals? You know, Magikarp Jump going strong. I've introduced uh, quite a few people to it. Uh, the the When I went to Boston this week, I, I visited the company headquarters and uh, introduced Magikarp Jump to a lot of people, and they were very excited about it. Well, their kids were excited about it. Uh, and uh, and I'm, up, I'm up to level 30 now. So if you're in the Magikarp Jump craze, let me know how you're doing. I'm at level 30. I've been tweeting some photos out. But I took a break because something additionally magical happened to me this week in Boston. Okay. I didn't quite have the, oh my goodness, like, do I need to change my life? But I rethought my entire coffee espresso thinking, which is kind of crazy and revolutionary. For you, that's, that's, I mean, for you, that's about as big as me questioning where I live. So I think we're on the same page. So yeah, it's, it's at the same level. <laughs> it's coffee, at the same level. Yeah. Coffee where Danny resides. <laughs> where so. Danny resides. And, it was crazy because I, when I go into a Microsoft office, we always have these Starbucks really crappy machines that coffee beans have been abused and are sitting in this holster for 18 months. You know what I mean? Right. It just tastes like dirt water. But then my coworker, <laughs> Jeremy, he's like, why are you? And I like hit the button on the Starbucks machine. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to drink this. And he goes, why are, he's like, he like looked at me in like a disgust face. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, he's like, he's like, we have this espresso machine. I was like, oh, like espresso machine. I got so excited about it. I was like, oh, espresso machine. Like I'm going to get some beans and tamper this thing. And it's not, it's a, you know, I hate pods. I'm a big, not pod person. Yeah, No, you're an anti-pod guy besides podcast. If it doesn't have cast at the end, you're against pods. I'm against it. But what they had at the office is this Lavazza espresso point thing called a matinee i put in the link and we'll put in the show notes lavazza which is the amazing italian coffee company they have created created a compact micropod espresso machine first of all i like the way you said it the first time created they have created they have created that's italian <laughs> that is awesome by the way created it's like it's fragile you know <laughs> fragiles so they have these things. I'm going to also put this in our Zencaster so you can look at it. So these pods come in a two-pack, which you know I'm going to make two at a time and make it the most amazing Americano. So you put this. I had a, I had a Snapchat of it. I don't think I have the video anymore. But you put this little time. It's it's like maybe four quarters, five quarters stacked on top of each other. So they're very small. Mm-hmm. I'm looking you, at it now. Yep. yep. You kind of put it into this gold Lavazza thing, which um, this man name, which I'll show you here. Here's the link. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, you open up this little thing. It's all like rose gold, really pretty. And you put it in there. And all of a sudden, like you hit like, how much do you want? And then this beautiful ristretto just comes pouring out. And you hit stop. And you're like, boom, my day has just got a thousand times better. This is why. Sorry, go ahead. It was mind blowing. It like blew my mind. I said, this is why people joke but are half serious about the process of combining peanut butter and jelly into one like and bread. 
Let's yeah. just make it all right. I mean, this Put is this, this espresso thing looks mind blowing, and I actually think my come to think of it, I think I think a co uh, I I work out of a shared office space where I uh, do all of my video recordings and TV shows, and uh, because I'm one of the only members at Chess.com that actually needs like a studio or office kind of thing, um, I I, uh, I have a space that I rent there, but. One of the coworkers brought in one of these, and I'm realizing that it was an mm-hmm. old one. But now I'm a little more motivated to hook it up because there's also a Keurig at the office. You know, hashtag pods, hashtag Mats ain't interested. Hashtag but, shaking um, my head and discussing. Hashtag shaking your head, right? But it does exist at the office. But but there is now one of these, and I am I am officially much more motivated because I I kind of I kind of turned my nose up at it, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah. whatever, right? I mean, it's just a Keurig with uh with you know, smaller it, pods. Yeah, and it looks uglier. You know, it's like yeah. this doesn't even. You know, at least the Keurig kind of looks cool. But yeah, well, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. But um, I want to actually kick off our listener feedback this week, uh, which was awesome. Once again, thank you to everybody who is uh, tuning into our podcast regularly and and giving us a download. Even better if you're giving us a review on on iTunes or anywhere else. So thank you for that. Um, but listener feedback this week comes from Graham Cluley. Um and the reason I want to kick it off is because he's a He's a guy who I've known via Twitter here for a little while. I think he followed me almost a couple of years ago via because of chess, but he's a pretty well-known guy in the uh, cyber tech security field. He he runs a blog and, and talks about, you know, just different, you know, when, when updates happen to software or hardware and different security breaches. And so it's kind of a cool, um, I didn't even know how much of like a, a market it really was to just be somebody who just talked openly and kind of audited security systems so that people were aware of where their information isn't safe. Um, I mean, I knew there were firms and all kinds of things that take care of these problems, but his job is to like kind of blog and like call people out for stuff. So that's just cool. Um, but GrahamCluley.com, but he, he wrote in, he said, despite having never drunk a cup of coffee in my life and being a keen but pretty lousy chess player, uh, he enjoys the podcast. He's enjoying the podcast. He says, thanks for that and for the recommendation. A few episodes about the board game Blocus. Blockus, first of all, you're welcome. And I just played a game of Blockus last night against Nash and Warner and Tessa, my baby sister-in-law, and I lost to Nash. I always get second to that kid. I am like freaking out about not beating my 11-year-old. Like, no, dude, I got negative, I got negative three, because if you play, if you play your single guy last, if you play your, your single piece last in Blockus, you get minus five bonus points. So even, but if you can't place other pieces, you know, you have to subtract it against that. So I placed my single guy last, but I was, so I got minus two, but I was stranded with a three piece that I couldn't fit. So I got minus two total. So you have, you know, you get plus three for any blocks you can't place. This time it was a three piece minus five. So I'm at negative two. This kid plays all of his pieces and does the little one last. So he wins at minus five. It was one of my best rounds ever. And he still beats me. Oh my it's, gosh. it's seriously obnoxious, but so then he, okay. so, um, you're welcome about that, Graham. And then you said, following the discussion about, you, you said Pawn Storm, it's actually Pawn Sacrifice, the movie starring Poby McGuire, but we're not going to hold that against you. not a bad name for a movie. Not a no, bad Pawn name. Storm. Pawn Storm. There you go. Um, speaking of which, I can't talk about it, but I have actually read a script from a Hollywood producer about a movie called Pawn that they may want us to consult on. I will come back to that later. Um, I wondered, he said, I wondered if you guys have any recommendations for good movies about chess, either dramas, documentaries, or dramadaries. Um, searching for Bobby Fischer, starring Ben Kingsley, uh, Joe Montagna, Montagna, that's still one of the best chess movies ever. It's, it's cliche because the generation that I live in, searching for Bobby Fischer and Josh Waitzkin and the, the scenes in, in the park and Lawrence Fishburne, 
those scenes are so iconic and but it's probably still pound for pound the best movie ever made where chess was the main feature i mean it was it's a phenomenal movie regardless of the chess yeah. So no, I just have to say, like hands down, no movie touches Searching for Bobby Fischer as far as quality of of chess at the film, the chess moves. I mean, there's not a single mistake in the movie X's and O's on the board, which is mind blowing. I mean, it, it's really awesome. So other than that, I mean, there was there was a documentary about Bobby Fischer uh, like a year ago. Where was that on? Like like bravo or lifetime or something yeah i think so maybe it was even hbo actually there was a fisher that that was pretty good do you know any other good chess movies um my my favorite chess short of all time uh is the pixar classic jerry's game i oh yeah yeah jerry's game yeah yeah no that's great yeah the uh old guy playing himself yep that's probably Um, my if you want a good straight chess right no that's (laughs) But uh, Graham, Graham, is, uh, Graham yeah. says he's aware of a few. He, he says he's aware of Searching for Bobby Fischer, Knights of the South Bronx, Bronx mm-hmm. starring Ted Danson, also a pretty Classic. good one. Love the Lucian Danson. Defense, um, which has John Leguizamo. Um, wait, no, maybe, no, John Totoro. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and then there was a one yeah. that came out about computer chess, which was kind of a weird, a weird kind of like had like a weird cult following, which was about, I think it was almost kind of a romantic kind of dark comedy around the the dawning and the birth of computers playing chess it's like a king of kong type situation yeah, i heard it was pretty good i never saw that one um there's also the queen of cadway which just came out which is the movie about fiona mutesi and it was disney's first hey let's try to do a mighty ducks movie about chess mm. um which was really good. I have not seen the Queen of Cadway, uh, but I know Fiona, and we've actually done things with her on Chess.com, and so she's kind of a superstar on her own. And so now I feel ashamed that I haven't that it's I haven't got a even 90, seen. 90, 93 on Rotten Tomato. So that's pretty good, right? Yeah, pretty solid. Yeah, so pretty solid. the Queen of the Queen of Cadway, I guess that would be. I guess we'll put links to these in the show notes for everybody oh, yeah. who maybe you don't. Maybe you're not even aware of searching for Bobby Fischer. Maybe all of these chess movies sound like an interesting, you know, get your girlfriend and have a uh, have a binge weekend of chess movies. That sounds fantastic. That's fact, not, I'll challenge what, the what a weekend. What a treat. Day I'll challenge the listeners, night. right? If they if they find a movie that we haven't mentioned here that they like, please please let us know. Yeah, let us know. Hashtag date night for everyone involved. What a great popcorn. Hashtag popcorn. Hashtag recreating the chess game in front against your significant other partner in life. That sounds like a great date night. It, sure, it I is. Love that. I'm, I'm sorry for dominating the last segment. I just got really excited to hear from Graham and really excited to talk about that. But I, I want to know more than anybody else, more than I, I, I feel like I've already set up some good things. But what's going on with technology ruining our lives this week? And, and right. why is... You know, you are you are becoming a bit of a, you know, I don't want to say you know an urban legend because you're you know you're still rocking and rolling, but you're a bit of a of a pop icon when it comes to this whole angle of where technology ruins our lives. I I I, I um I just I want to set you up so high so that when you fall it is so fat. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you are just crushing it with this segment. So give us the give us the mind blowingness of of why technology is ruining our lives. This is an interesting week, I would say. There was a lot of um, 
bad things that happened in the world. Um, but there were some good things that happened in the world. I think this this week's topics, I wanted to kind of revolve around cord cutting. And we talk a lot about Netflix or watching some streaming movies and things like that. Um, but I've had this really long career in the world of, of at-home DVR systems, over-the-air television, and not paying for anything, essentially, but all legally, right? So not right. stealing anything. It's like you hook an antenna up and you get, there's there's television beamed all over the place for freeze. Um, when I lived in Phoenix, there's, it's, everything's flat. So you get great signal reception everywhere right. you go. Right. And Microsoft had some solutions. Your, um, TiVo's had some solutions, but you always had to pay for stuff and pay for subscriptions. There's this amazing service called Plex. It's been around for a long time and they are this huge competitor. So when I look at other competitors like Netflix and YouTube TV and all stuff, it's like really heavy and there's so many services and they don't really know. And it's, it's confusing. Hulu just updated their app and it's like mind boggly confusing. I feel like everyone's rushing to be able to provide these cord cutting technologies, but they're like just slapping us in the face with like the most difficult options and no one has, they all have different stuff. And I'm like, you know what, let's step back a second when all these big, big companies are trying to destroy and recreate the digital ether of streaming and say like, let me just plug in a $20 antenna and let me just get that free stuff that you're trying to charge me for. So right. Plex is this amazing service. And they have great support. Usually they were around like turning your computer or your Mac or Mac mini or a little set top box or something like that into your actual main DVR um, for live TV. There's more like kind of putting content on it. But in the last year, they've gotten really aggressive around over the air free television. And this is cool because you can go buy a like $200 Android TV set top box and you can make it your Plex server. And what's cool about it now is that you can hook up a over the air tuner to this thing and you can get all of your live television and a full DVR recording, and it's it's gorgeous, um, all set up right there. And then at the same time, you can stream it to any device at any time via their Plex apps, which is pretty much mind blowing. Now they do have a service fee to be part of this, but like it's a lifetime membership is like a hundred dollars or something but like don't that. You, don't you need like a um, don't you need to have an account with some sort of like provider like Dish Network or DirecTV or, or like, you know, your your Cox or Comcast cable in order to log into a lot of the apps? Or this is only picking up the free channels that are just out there. Yeah. So this puppy here, Plex, is all about OTA over the air, right? Uh, where, where you're getting all of your it's about like you get like 20 channels. So you're getting your Fox or ABC or NBC. These are the stuff that I watch all the time that I right. basically pay Hulu to give give me to my face hole right right now since, since you're on like an android tv or something like that you can essentially get all those other apps so if you're already paying for those other services or hbo go you can still sign in and use those apps but plex brings everything together into one shop so even if you're have like backups of your family photos and your family mm -hmm. videos and all of your life's content into one place I have a video, I have a YouTube video of like using just the DVR with Android TV. It's like really quite, uh, quite sexy experience. So what I think is cool about this. Did you you made your own YouTube video of you doing this. Yeah, correct. I mean, did, was your shirt on? Uh, yes, always. Okay. Well, I'm not going to watch it. So, all right, go ahead. Continue. Worthless video on subscribe. <laughs> Worthless video. No, I'm kidding. No, actually, will you post the link uh, in the show notes? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about this. This could be super useful in my own, um, day to days. Yeah. Cause you know, I think when you, how technology and cable companies try to ruin our lives is that they make you buy these huge bundles, right? Like they make you put a satellite dish on the side of your house. So you have 500 channels and you watch four of them. That no, means, I know. And, and it's, yeah. 
it's it's that I'm in the same situation right now. Like we we basically watch no TV in my house. I mean, mm-hmm. me and my wife and my kids, and like we we kept a really really basic low level paying package of whatever the satellite services we have, Directv or Dish Network. I don't even I don't even care or no. Um, but then then you know the one issue I have, and I don't even know if Plex solves this, is I think an issue that a lot of people have is 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 if I want to see a live sports game. Mm-hmm. you know of my local team whether it's you know the nfl season or you know baseball season or whatever i it becomes a real issue because they they structure these packages in a way where like there's no affordable way to jump up and you're getting all those channels again that you're never going to watch mm-hmm. um it's just strange and it, you know these are these are very very first world problems obviously but i think it's it is kind of an inconvenience and it is a way that they kind of keep you trapped plus you get locked into these multi-year contracts with these providers mm-hmm. um so i like this and i don't know that this would really solve that it doesn't sound like it would provide you know like a fox sports net for your region well um, so if it let's say let's say fox sports is airing your you know local you know cardinals game cardinals arizona cardinals football yeah nice to live there yep i still know um if that's streaming or if that's that's over the air there's a saddle there's a a tv antenna that you buy and it picks it up and boom you're good to go there's um there's a really cool website called antenna web um which essentially what you do is you type in your i'm gonna put it here you type in your address and it tells you what channels you can get for completely free and I'll, and I'll put a show show note to this. I've been doing this for a long time. So you, so you type in your zip or your physical address. You can just type in your zip code or full address. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like so, when I type in Seattle in here, right, and I go, it goes, I hit submit. And it says, hey, you're going to pick up. Uh, and then what's really cool is it'll tell you your your thing. It'll say, hey, you know, these are the strengths. You're going to pick up. Uh, you know, your Ion TV, My TV, CW, ABC, Fox, ABC. Mm-hmm. CBS. So um, we can watch hours and hours of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on CW for free. Yeah, for absolutely. free. For oh, free. <laughs> this is all like the, the TV is all coming in for free, right? It's all it's all free. And that's what it does. So that's the cool thing is that often like you subscribe to the NFL network and then they're like, oh, well, this is a local thing. So we're going to you know, block that. And then you're like, well, crap, I can't watch that. So you can watch it, of course, on over the air television because it's all free and it's all HD. It's all 1080p, baby. All is, I, I don't know. So uh, I'll admit this. This all sounds too good to be true. I wonder one, what commission you're getting from them, and two, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very skeptical of how awesome yeah. this can be. So I'm, I am going to. I might even quiz you about this in the next episode. I might have to grill you about this one. I think so. What's nice is that things were so complicated in the past. I've been doing this for nearly ten years since I lived in in Phoenix, and things were really complicated. You almost needed to be an IT pro to get this stuff set up. But now you literally. Just buy this little $200 box, which is an Android TV. So you get all of the Android apps and you get Plex, which is part of it. And then you buy a TV antenna. So for like under 300 bucks, you have an amazing, like, you know, Android TV setup with all of your streaming apps. Plus you have Plex, which will take in all of your live television and boom, it just works. I'm doing it. It's crazy. Anyways. I digress, but you know, when I'm not streaming television, I am always attempting to figure out how to use chess.com to challenge my friends. <laughs> and um, it seems as though you've made it relatively complicated in my life, which makes me think that just chess doesn't matter at all because I can't challenge anybody. Right. So Danny, tell me why in the world chess 
doesn't matter or doesn't matter. You know, that's so great cue. And let, let's let the u- listeners and users into our uh, our world a little bit. Mats and I were having a conversation before the podcast started about some of the onboarding processes and techniques, which for those of you who don't speak total tech, it's, you know, onboarding is just this term that's used to describe kind of how quickly you bring on a new user, right? And what is your flow? I mean, when someone searches chess, what do they really want? Are they looking for you know, chess news or, or an update on, on some event? Most likely no. Um, are they looking to, I, there's a million use cases really, but most of the time they're looking to get a chess game as quickly as possible. And one of the things that we've assessed about chess.com that we've been very aware of over the last few years is, is how much we've, we've kind of failed a little bit and, and offering, uh, you know, a better onboarding process for those users who are just looking for the chess game to happen ASAP. And or expecting to see chess or something, and and, and so you know, um, Mats is Mats is very very smart, as many of you know. That's why he's um, a, a grand old celebrity in his field. Uh, but Mats, Mats is Mats is giving me feedback, and uh, whenever he has pretty much whenever Danny's late for a recording, <laughs> Mats hops on chess.com, and the way he kind of gets a little bit of revenge from me is he kind of picks apart our our, uh, our onboarding process, and if he's always right. And, and we were talking today about the user flow of how quickly you can find a game with a friend. Definitely some improvements that should be made there. But as I pointed out to Mots, one of the difficulties we have uh, in managing the domain we have is that it's, um, you know, especially now that we've established ourselves as a serious player also within the serious chess community, the tournament mm-hmm. community, and then the world's elite community, is we are servicing everyone from... Like literally, it just like hit me and I'm inspired. I've never seen a chessboard or done anything in my life and I just type chess and we're like, we're the autocomplete mods, right? I mean, we, we get those people who know, who know, who don't even know what they don't know. They know zero of zero, right? And, and they, um, and so that's, that's a mind blowing thing. If you really take a few steps back and consider how many of zero of zero users we get, then we're getting the people who know chess at the next level, next level. So let's say there's 50 levels, right? All the way up to like Magnus Carlsen and we're servicing all of them. And, and, and it's been a failure of ours. I mean, I, I, um, I like to think I'm always transparent and I'm pretty transparent on this podcast here. It's, it's a, you know, it's difficult. And so Mats's feedback was not, was not necessarily new. Um, and it also, you know, just kind of reminding him that already the fact that he's thinking about getting a friend is a little bit, it's really probably a next level use case than most of our initial users who literally just, they want to see something, see chess and, and and we're, but we're not doing a good job there either. And so, but this is funny. I mean, this is kind of a, I'm really, really what I'm talking about here is, is product management and, and uh, KPIs, right, which is another thing in our industry, key performance indicators, like what are some of the things we do well that, that tell us we're doing well, what are some of the things we're not doing well, and, you know, so we spend a lot of time doing the bigger picture stuff and playing the bigger chess game on the web, and I know a lot of people always get a little surprised when they hear me pretending like I'm, I'm able to contribute in this field, because all I really do is act like an idiot who butchers accents <laughs> on chess TV, but no, really, I mean, this is what we do, this is what I do, and this is what we're, we're learning to do, and it's something that I'm, I really enjoy. I think because it's I think I enjoy it as much as the chess because it's also not my background right so it's like I'm always learning and I really love you know some of the blogs and things I've subscribed to where I kind of get to stay on the cutting edge of you know 
social networking and every time Facebook changes their algorithm and you want to scream explicitives about how you can leverage to get better users without breaking the bank versus compared to, you know, just how well are we impressing versus retaining and then converting, which, you know, again, for those, this is something we think about all the time. Like people think of chess. Well, okay, now we've impressed chess.com upon them and we we do it very well because we're very fortunate to be in the position we are. But now are we retaining this person as a regular chess player and and what's the drop off and why and where are they from and how did this happen and how did they find us? And, you know, Facebook tends to be an area that we retain very well that if a user does come to our chess.com app or chess site from Facebook, they tend to stay around. And and I won't get into all that, but anyway, so why doesn't the fact that we're even having this discussion to me is proof that chess matters because we're talking about things that are you know super serious to any any um feature based experience based community based site on the web and i've been a big proponent of the fact that i believe the web in the classic structure is dying, right? Content sites themselves that are only here to, to content farm or to do things are, are dying slowly because what really matters is the, the native experience, the environment. It's why places like Facebook are so powerful because, you know, think about it yourself. When you're given a link on Facebook that you have to leave Facebook to watch versus something that starts playing for you or you see the mm-hmm. full image right there, what, how much likely are you more to engage with it? So, I mean, the, the answers are in the pudding, and everybody knows that whether they, they want to say they're not slaves to social media or the way technology is leveraging your eyeballs, believe me, you are. And and so content on the web and places like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post, even those places, I mean, they have, they've had some serious identity crisis that, that we, you know, we've been kind of above despite the fact that we do chess content really well and it's something we, we, we really care about. Ultimately, our site is about providing a, a unique educational and learning experience for users that they can't get anywhere else and as long as those tools are innovative and kind of advanced and and cool enough in ways that a non-chess specialty site could never really do you know then we're you know we're protected from apps like facebook that really want to destroy the world and have people never ever leave so like the web won't exist what will exist is apps and you experience everything you want within that native experience and so you know we're aware of that and it's it's a very very tough thing and and um you know we're, we're trying to think about you know, how we can improve our offering to all of those things at once, not just how we can make Mats's job of finding a game with a friend easier. <laughs> but it doesn't mean Mats is wrong. Mats is always right. And Mats no, is no, just no. dumb. No, it's true. You are. And anyway, so that's kind of fun. And I think that that'll be maybe a little bit of a different why doesn't chess matter this week instead of me talking about our speed chess championship. I will say we're already planning some awesome stuff for the Pro Chess League next year. That's been an email thread that's been bouncing around between me and the CEO and the commission. We've been talking about different qualifier formats so people who really love the pro chess league and stuff i'll give you that little teaser um but really i mean it it, this is kind of a product focused and a you know this is this is what managing a a business online is and it's you know it's very complicated and it's also very simple in some ways and um anyway so that's all and uh but but mots mots gave me some some good critical (laughs) feedback and those are some of the things that we do from time to time when when you all aren't listening yeah it's kind of cool though to think about that there is this entire huge business that you just described around online chess, online, like improving this flow of these different games. And then, for instance, like me, I was on the plane. I'm like, oh, I want to kind of take some chess lessons. And I went on and I'm offline. Right. So I'm not able to play live chess, obviously, because I don't have Internet. But I was able to actually take a few chess lessons and like, you know, lose and go back and forth against the computer. And I thought that was really cool. Yep. Like, hey, you know, even though I'm in a bucket in the sky or flying over the U.S., I can still learn and improve my chess game. But I do want to say this this week, level 800 uh, uh, chess.com member, diamond member, 
of Chess.com you, 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 You're a Diamond member now? I'm a Diamond member. Started my free trial, but I said auto-subscribe immediately. Wow. You are um, just... And you're 800 rated. How many games have you played to get to 800? None. Oh, so that was the starting point. Default. So, which is yeah. pretty great. And <laughs> so pretty great. I feel, I feel good that I didn't start at zero and I started right. at 800. Right. Now, I am I am knee-deep into quite a few games. So we're going to be giving updates along the way of how my chess game has progressed. Okay. Um, because I got a uh, I got a challenge today from a international master right. on chess.com. Cool. What was his name? His name was... Uh, gosh darn adorable Dan, right. Daniel Wrench well I was going to say and, you, don't, uh, you should be like I don't know his real name but his username was Daniel Wrench which is a weird coincidence <laughs> yeah, it was a weird coincidence it wasn't quite Danny Wrench but it was Daniel Wrench so yeah. maybe a relative or a cousin or something right um, but I will say I wanted to do this this week which was again on this amazing entry of Mott's ass and international master I didn't want to bring up our game which I have right. opened with a strong e4 um, I'm just going to say, and we'll, Bobby I want to bring favorite up, move. Bobby dude, Fisher's favorite move. Classic. It's Mott's favorite move. Now, um, I wanted to see your, you do an amazing job. I watch your breakdowns of analysis of chess. It's my favorite thing. Um, even it, it's on par with recording this podcast of watching you break down the chess game. So what I want to do in Mott's ass and I am is break down this game that I am playing against Dorito, who is also an 800 level Brazilian non-diamond member, by the way. Nice. Uh, well, I mean. Ask him. Be like, hey, man, uh, why aren't you enjoying those perks? So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm enjoying these sweet perks and getting pro tip advice from an international master. Are you? Right, Diamond right. member exclusive. <laughs> um, I don't think that's true, but if it is. Um, all right, so here it we is. Ha- we actually have a, an interesting build coming out where we are working on um, – because people get so much from the Diamond membership. But you know, the one next thing is some people are always asking – you know, you eventually wanted interaction, and I don't want to reveal mm-hmm. too much because I think it's so cool that competitors should, could take it. But we're working on something that would allow that kind of like instant interaction. So anyway, go ahead. Oh, that's cool. I like that. All right, so I wanted to see if you could break down these moves one by one. There's only six moves, but then there's going to be a seventh, and we're going to do it live. Got it. So I open up with a strong e4. I am white. I am white. So bottom of the board, white. Listeners are invited the- if you want. Um, just follow along with the chessboard. Yep. Uh, along literally, if you went to chess.com slash analysis, there's just a board where you can move all the pieces yourself as you go. So we have E4. Hmm. E4. How, how was that first opening move? Uh, phenomenal, right? Bobby Fischer, James Motz, those are two. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're both very good chess players, and they both start with E4. So Dyer, I'm going to call him. Dyerito. Dyerito uh, right. opens and counters with a strong E5. Also, very solid. It's uh, Magnus Carlsen's favorite way to play against E4, so we'll go with it. And now I come in strong because I learned on a previous uh, Coffeehouse Blunders of how to then progress this into an opening uh, that is some of my favorites. So I did a strong Knight F3. Right. And again, those of users who maybe missed that podcast or are just wondering, maybe we were completely losing you or you're really enjoying this and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm following a chess game for the first time with Danny and Mutz. That knight on F3 attacks the pawn on E5. I'm doing this all mentally, by the way, just in my mm-hmm. head, but obviously seen it a million times. So, But that's important because Mutz is developing with purpose. He's bringing a knight out, but also pieces that join the game and it is attacking the pawn on E5. And what I'm trying to do here is I'm, I'm attempting to own the own the white squares. Right. I'm trying to be an aggressive of 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 owning the white squares. Well, you're also owning the dark squares, right? Because the knight is attacking E5 and D4, which are dark squares. Right. So you're 
you're challenging those dark squares. Your pawn on e4 is controlling the light squares. Your knight there is challenging the dark squares. Got it. Okay. So then essentially to counter a uh, classic move, which would be a knight c6 counter from Dyer. The Darito. Darito plays it. All right. Darito. So Darito plays knight c6. Now you you execute. Okay. So this move defends the pawn on e5, everybody. It defends white's last move, uh, the threat of that move. And black is also developing with a purpose. Um, and it and it fights for control over these dark squares. The knight on c6 challenges d4 and e5 directly. Hence the next move, which gets us into the Rui Lopez, I'm assuming. Uh, you can guess it. That is right. Bishop b5 moving up, being aggressive uh, here to own the white squares, but also attack with purpose that, that knight, I think, is kind I of what it. I'm doing yep. here. Again, another developing move with a uh, with a mission. You're a man on a mission here today. I mean, um, you're on a man from Mars. Wait, are women from Mars and men are from Venus? How does that work? I forget. You're a man. You're a rocket. Rocket. Okay. Rocket, rocket man. All right, man. go ahead. <laughs> so uh so the counter here and then this is where i kind of get stuck because i know technically what i want to do is right essentially like the move that diarito is going to make is a6 so move the pawn up to attack my bishop and say hey bishop get out of here i don't i don't i don't i'm playing no games yeah i, bishop, I don't need I don't, this get yeah, up I, off me i see you're what you're me. doing Rui lopez and i don't right. like it right get out of here and now we're in that opening officially with a morphe defense so I don't know what you did here. Um, uh, I haven't though, done anything yet. Oh yeah. Okay. So this anything. is so this is a good time to talk. Then. So this is a critical moment. Black has played a six. Um, the opening ECO, which in chess speak, ECO stands for Encyclopedia of Chess Openings. So the ECO, the Encyclopedia of Chess Openings, gives names to everything as quickly as possible. And we have a very automated ECO. So Mots was just quoting the Morphe's defense, but really this is just kind of a mainline Rui Lopez. And white has two main options. You can capture the knight on c6 with the bishop, mm -hmm. which eliminates the, the purpose of this pony, right? And, and immediately makes those dark squares vulnerable. However, we're going to see that that's, it's not so simple. You don't just take and then win that pawn on e5. Because after you capture on c6, or if you did, and anybody who was following at chess.com slash analysis could see this, but if you play bishop takes knight, they take with the d pawn, the pawn in front of the queen. Mm -hmm. And if you end up taking that pawn on e5 with the knight, their queen can aggressively come into the center, either d4, which is a double attack of the knight and the pawn on e4. It can also go to g5. So basically, it's one of those things where they're defending the pawn at what we call in chess dynamically, meaning you played bishop b5 last move to, to threaten to take this knight and, and take the pawn. But rather than them making some sort of, you know, sort of passive defensive move being worried, they are aggressively saying, yo, bishop, you're on me, get off me, as you said, right? Yo, boom, here I come. And you, you're, they're kind of calling White's bluff. White doesn't really want to give up the bishop, uh, not immediately anyway. Most of the time, taking on c6. This is this would be called the exchange variation of the Lopez. In fact, just to maintain integrity in our games, I'm actually not going to recommend what you do. I'm just going to describe it, and then you can choose. Yep. So bishop takes c6, pawn takes c6 is not bad, but it shouldn't be done with the idea that you're going to gobble up the pawn. It should be done where you're going to capture on c6, you're going to get castled, get your king safe, and you're going to try to continue to undermine these d4 and e5 squares but you also have to be very aware that um there are tactics and that you can't just go gobble up the pawn because by taking on c6 you kind of opened up their queen you know you open up this light square bishop on c8 where their bishop is after they take back with the d pawn so it is a move and if you look up the exchange variation 
which again, if you go to chess.com slash openings, you can use our opening explorer and see that, and that's actually legal, by the way, in daily chess games, you are legally allowed to access these resources. Um, live chess games and chess, it is not allowed to access any resources, and theoretically, you really don't have the time to do it, and you shouldn't. But in daily chess games, everything short of having an engine analysis, you know, a computer telling you what to do, is legal, basically, in a daily chess game. Um, so that's your one option, is the exchange variation of the Lopez. The other option is the main line, which is bishop back to a4. So he attacked your yeah. bishop, and you just back that thing up, like Juvenile yeah. taught you to. You back it up, right. baby. You shake what mama gave you. <laughs> you put that bishop on a4. And what you're saying here is very simple. If they attack you again with the b7 pawn, they can move that b7 pawn up to b5 and kick your bishop again, which would force it to b3. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, So they've eliminated this Lopez idea of you taking on c6, but they've wasted a couple pawn moves, and your bishop is very useful on that long diagonal kind of peering at that f7 pawn against the black king. And if they don't play b5, then you sort of you sort of leave this lingering threat of eventually taking on c6 and winning that e5 pawn. So it's it's kind of like you know you're building the tension you know in the room. It's like you know um, you know you uh, I'm about to say something inappropriate, but you know the the the, the sexual tension that can exist, and you know rather than cut it, you build on it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Um, so let's just say that that's what bishop a4 is. Bishop a4 is a move that kind of, you know, it delays the question. It leaves the tension. You don't take it, but but it's always there. And if you continue along plans like we talked about, you continue to get castled. Or, you can, you know, you use our openings tool and kind of see other th options that are going to be available to you. Then, um, you know, you'll see that it, it, at some point, sometimes you do take it. Or eventually, they usually play b5 and force that bishop to b3, which, you know... You, so you're like, okay, well, I lost this chance, but now my bishop has a new goal, and I've got the light squares on the, in the center with my bishop on b3. And so, you know, again, that's why the Lopez is so popular for either side, because you're a little bit better here as white, um, but you're not that much better. This exact position, in fact, Mots, um, if you went back to those world champion videos that I know you loved and talked about my analysis of oh, Carlson yeah. and Karyakin, this position was played, I believe, seven or eight times in their match, this exact position. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a very, very common position. So Darito is either using openings or he's also not an 800 player like you. Like, it's just his first game and he's, you know, he's... But, you know, if he's playing this quickly and you just started this game and, and he kind of knows what he's doing, you know? Yeah, um, it sounds like it. seems like it. I mean, I know this I know this opening because we talked about it, but also I studied those games and I have uh, studied this opening specifically over and over again because I feel like it's one, you told me on the episode, if there's one opening you're going to master, try to master this one. And I'm looking at openings now, which I didn't know about until right now, which is fantastical. And it, it'll tell you your percentages of winning, but also just like how often do people pick it? So if you decide and right here, they do it. Let me give you some advice on that too. Yeah, one of the main things is as long as a move has been played X amount of hundreds or thousands times, and the percentages are relatively close. It doesn't really matter. I, I'm only answering this because I just got a question. I don't know if you follow Amateur Hour, which is this new show I'm Indeed. doing. That um, so Dave Payette um, had this question, and I really clarified for him because it's I guess it's a source of confusion for a lot of beginner players where they're like, oh well, I should obviously only follow what is always the best percentage move. And I'm like, look, like if a percentage move is anywhere between 48 and 55, 56, 57 percent. You know, and and it's been played hundreds, if not thousands, of times. Then the answer is it's an option. And the most important thing you can do for your growth is is to commit to options that you try to play again and again. Um, 
if every option is good, what's going to decrease that learning curve, the, the natural process every chess player has to go through of just losing chess games and learning from your mistakes, is, is trying to play the same kind of system. Be like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to commit to playing the Lopez with white and black. And then all of a sudden, you're 50 games deep. You play 25 with each color. Now, all of a sudden, you look at this stuff and you're like, you know, damn, I know this position, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. know the patterns. And you yeah. know what's going to happen. So all of a sudden that, you know, it, it's an exponential tipping point where all of a sudden you're really familiar with things. And so that would be my one advice if you're using the openings tool is don't get overwhelmed by the millions of chess games that have been played in history. Just kind of pick a system and commit to it. Have fun. Start some games with it. And then and then you'll get better at just knowing the patterns of that position intuitively. Yeah. I like it. Here we go. Strong move. Mots comes in strong. Plays no games. You know I'm going bishop c6. I love it. You're going, going for the you know, exchange. I'm, I know that I, I know this is an exchange and it's going to happen. The move has been sent, people. We will give an update on this when it is done. Next and, week. Uh, next week. That's how I go. We can maybe even play back. Well, we, we don't have to do it next week. I mean, we don't have to do a, a, a detailed chess breakdown in every give you an update no no this is good I, I wanted to kind of walk through to see what the maybe the listeners think of of every once in a while breaking down a match breaking down an opening um, because to me it's really interesting that we talked about the Roy Lopez the Roy Lopez but at the same time we didn't talk about the what's next right and that's what right. really interests me is from here what is about to happen and then since I'm literally learning this stuff a lot brand new like I've played a lot I've played a lot of chess in the past but I've never studied chess right I never said oh, I want to do this opening because this is an opening, right? I didn't even know that openings were an opening. I just like right. knew that these were common things. Like, oh, I'm just going to bring my little, you know, my uh, my night out. You know, that's kind of what I was familiarizing with. But I really want to learn this like a programming language. When I go in, it's like, oh, I understand the syntax, but I want to understand the mastery of the whys and the how. So right. hopefully people found this interesting. I think I found it interesting. Give us some listener feedback. I'd actually be curious. Yeah. I hope that maybe some of the, maybe some of the, the non-chess people will and chess people too if you really like it but i'd be curious to hear from a let's say if you're a non-chess person at james's level as we do our sort of ctas to bring the shows to a, the show to a close a call to actions you know pr- please give us feedback i'm i'm actually very curious on a from a pd level my my own professional development i'm always curious how we can do better at explaining chess and providing some insight so if you were somebody who knows zero about chess and whether you followed along at chess.com slash analysis or not like, I'm curious what you think about that. And is it kind of fun to hear chess broken down in a way that you might be able to understand and maybe, you know, whatever. So I'm curious. So please, yeah, I, please let I us also, know. Also, in the show notes, you can directly go to this chess opening. There's a link that's called chess opening, and it is this opening. You can play it back and forward. So you can actually play this exact opening back and forward to where we left off and where I was challenging that little horsey where I took him down. Yeah. So. Well, follow we James go. everywhere you can follow James. Maybe you should get your own fans into chess. You can kind of tweet an update to your position in a few, in like maybe a few days where it's like not the whole week. You can be like, hey, if anybody listens to Blunders, here's where that game is at right now. You know, watch me screw it up. Go to chess.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, seriously, James, love you, buddy. This is good. I, I, I'm, almost, I'm almost too excited that you're excited about chess. I love you too, buddy. This has been amazing. Until next time, this is Coffee House Blunders. You can go to blunders.fm to leave feedback or email us directly. Thank you once again. And Danny, enjoy the travel, safe travels. Enjoy that prime now. Uh, I love you, buddy. Thanks, man. Peace. Uh-huh.